welcome to Leading With Your Gut, a passion project featuring individuals who share stories about embracing fear and having the courage to make intuitive gut decisions. The stories shared on this podcast are intended to empower a community of people who have these gut feelings but are unsure of what to do with them. Sometimes gut feelings are unexplainable. And oftentimes, these feelings may be the opposite desires that our friends and family want for us. But ultimately, it's fear that causes us to question our inner voices. My gut is telling me that many of us have had these experiences before. Through this podcast series, we will hear from courageous and vulnerable people who decided to embrace fear and listen to their inner intuitive selves when making life-altering decisions. I'm your host, Jenna Renee Shellman. Stay tuned for an interactive and creative lineup of powerful stories on leading with your gut. Spiritual healing and energy coach, Xian Chuan, has a mission to help leaders create positive and sustainable growth in the workplace. With over 10 years of executive coaching experience, Xian has made a positive reputation for herself in the greater Seattle area. She has been featured in many publishings, including Fortune 500, where she was named a career whisperer. Xian not only identifies herself as a coach, but as a visionary and global change agent. She has a passion for cultivating, nurturing, and growing conscious leaders, not just for people today, but for the upcoming generations. Xian shares how her constant alignment with her body and intuition have guided her to make decisions. She is an empath with high levels of conscious awareness and therefore is able to connect and read others well. During this episode, Xian discusses how it can be difficult to be our true selves, not only in our personal lives, but in the workplace. I'm so glad that you're here. I know that you're going to have a lot to um, offer to the show as I feel like everything that you do is genuine and is with purpose and you have such a powerful intent, everything that you say. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of, I guess, maybe go back from the start a little bit. So I introduced you as a leadership co- coach and consultant. Um, how did you get into this field? How did you get into this career? Well, it started off wanting to help people for a good cause. So when I graduated school, I was trying to think, okay, what kind of field would I enter? And it was at the intersection of either some international business or a field that helps elevate society and humanity. So I started off in human rights administration. Later, after I felt like, okay, I can't move policy, I'm not meant for academia, how can I really make change um, on a more scalable basis? And so then I went and became a sales and marketing executive in Southeast Asia and greater China, and I loved it. And But still, I was itching to find out how can I better help people if it's not from a you know political activist standpoint or if it's not from a business perspective, how can I combine both? So it's really through my own experiences working that you see what doesn't work in the workplace. What's oh, really What's really destructive? What's really painful? What could be improved? And all these ideas came and I had a, a pause in my life where I really had to evaluate how can I integrate what I've done with the person that I want to be, with the people that I want to serve. And 
leadership development and energy healing was a great intersection of how can you help people from an emotional, physical, mental standpoint, but also elevate them so that they're more productive in society and in business. And what is, um, I, what, what is energy healing? It depends on how you look at it, but in my view, energy healing allows for the person to come back home, to be more whole. Healing in itself means to make good again, to become whole. It's coming back to who you really are. And in my eyes, energy healing is used to help the person regain the connection to who they were when they were born, to their true inner spirit, to cultivating that part of you that has a strong intuition and already knows the right choices. And I think as we navigate life and we're more distracted by society and all the trauma and drama that's going on, energy healing has been validated that just allows a person to have more peace and connectivity to their internal self. I love that. I've, I, I agree with you. I feel like, you know, we are, we, we are born and we know nothing, right? And then we are taught all the things that we should know and should do in our lives. And as a result, I definitely feel like, including myself, you steer away from your true self. And then it's, and then people, you know, have this, we don't, we say to ourselves, we don't know who we are. And it's like, we're lost and, and we're, we're working so hard to get back to our, our true source. So I, I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So you realized that you wanted to go into energy healing. You felt a purpose. Um, and it, you know, how did, how did this lead to you, you know, coming to the States and becoming a, a coach and consultant and branching off on your own? I branched off on my own in Singapore after I left my sales and marketing background and role because I wanted to better myself. I felt empty. I felt like how could I be so successful and have everything yet the stress that I'm enduring in the workplace is so overwhelming that my body, my mind, and my emotions could no longer endure it. Work felt like really life or death. We had mm. really high sales targets. The workplace um, was a black and white place, you know, and so it was more a calling to find a way to rest and recultivate to do the things I've always wanted to do and to really return to a place of health and vitality. And it's really in that journey of trying to help myself that I found my true calling and my passion has always been to better myself as well as the people around me in a very holistic way. So I started in Singapore, but it's really through the journey of how can I improve my life and feel better in my decisions that allowed me to have and and create the tools to want to help other people along the way. So coming to Seattle just allowed me to continue that and to really hone in on um, my experience and to work with even a larger group of people. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what you said before you were talking, you said that your, your body and your emotions were basically sick, right? I mean, oh yeah. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yes. So it started actually when I was living in China and just for background information, because a lot of people ask, my English is great because I actually am not from Asia, but I was working there for quite a few years. (laughs) So um, it started when I was in Shanghai in 2010 and I was having this terrible neck and back pain. And it was so excruciating that I started getting dizzy. I started getting stomach cramps. I started feeling like I was going to faint. I went to the doctor and they took an x-ray and took a bunch of tests and they basically said you shouldn't work again. At that Whoa. Yes. Wow. 
And how old, do you know what my ask? how old were you at this time? At that point, I was in my mid, later 20s. Okay. The doctor says you can't work, you should not work. You should not work. No. And he said, um, you shouldn't work. So I thought, well, there's something really wrong here because how could this be? You know, I was feeling pain, but I couldn't understand where it came from. So I, I got a lot of pain medication. I uh, went through physical therapy. It evolved the pain as I was working. And I I was basically left with no solution other than to take my health to my own means. I went to the doctor and the only thing they can offer was either pain medication or stop working. And so I really had to dig deep. What is causing my neck and back pain? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's something not physically bad enough to have surgery, then what is wrong with me? Right. So I had to take it into my own hands and evaluate what triggers my pain. How much of it is psychosomatic? There's been episodes in my life where after a traumatic period, I end up in the hospital. Wow. And I lost consciousness Mm -hmm. and the doctor in the ER said, there's nothing wrong with you. We thought there might've been something wrong with your heart, your brain, but it's psychosomatic. So here are some pills to help alleviate, go home and sleep. You know, so after all these periods of experiences where there was no answer to my pain and I wasn't bad enough to have surgery and it's really intruded on my ability to function, I had to really dig deep. What is wrong with me and how can I fix this? Because, you know, this is not sustainable. And so it was starting with my, a place of having chronic pain and also fatigue and stress with that, that I had to evaluate, you know, what is psychosomatic? How does your brain and your mind and uh, your emotion and your spirit create a disease or a symptom or a physical ailment in your body? It's something that the doctors can't tell me. So I had to really investigate in alternative means. I had to really listen to my body. I had to start to notice when did I start to have a flare? When would I start to feel pain? And in America today, when there is such an issue with chronic fatigue, chronic pain, and oftentimes the doctor either says, well, here's your syndrome, here's the pain medication, or here's surgery. And if you're not good enough for that, good luck. Yep. Mm -hmm. I was ready to make a difference. And so I'm really proud to say that it's actually through my own path of, of pain and stress that I've learned so much about the connection between um, the psycho-spiritual world, the mind, our experiences, how we perceive them, and how they can actually create pain within the physical body, how that they can show up through symptoms that you experience. And it's not just a cold, it's not just a flu, but it's something that goes deeper. And, and and I completely agree with you. So in this particular, you know, moment, was your body telling you that something needed to change? Did it, was it telling you you needed to get out? What do you think it was telling you? I knew that the job that I had was really stressful mm-hmm. because I'd feel like fainting and anxious and, and um, not in my element. But when you're in it, you don't know what's wrong. You yeah. just know you're in pain, you're not well, and you shouldn't, you need rest, right? And so it actually took time for me to leave my, job at that time and it takes six months off doing the stuff I loved which was yoga swimming seeing friends Mm -hmm. dancing traveling really living life again outside of the desk that it gave me the space to start to reconnect my mind and my body so I didn't know when I was having pain what the heck is wrong with me but taking time away to cultivate that connection did and what you did is is so incredible because I I um, for someone who you know is 
in between a career transition and, you know, on a sabbatical, I very much admire people who have the courage to do the same thing. And there are so many people, especially in, in America, being such a capitalistic, fast-paced country, taking a sabbatical is not like a, is not something that we our country is proud of, I feel like people question it and almost look down on you for taking the time away from a busy job to learn more about yourself and to heal and relax and discover things that you really love. And so, you know, for you at such a young age to say, my body is like telling me something, I need to make a drastic change and and leave and really find my own passions. That's huge. Like, I feel like there are a lot of people that will never do that. Absolutely. They won't it's listen scary. to their body and no. they will just keep going. And then they will have so many different health issues, you know, in their in their life because of stress. Yeah. Yeah. And something else I think that differentiated my situation was I was not willing to settle with just living off of pain medication. Yeah. I mean, p- medication comes with symptoms and side effects that take you away from your ability to reconnect to your body. Absolutely. And so you might not have any pain, but you also don't have a lot of joy. And so part of me is like, that is not a way to live life, mm-hmm. to just put a bandaid on it. And mm-hmm. I was not willing to settle. And as a result, I was able to find a gift, which is my intuition. Yes. Let's talk about that because you are, you are, I'm a pretty intuitive person. I've met a lot of highly intuitive people, but I think you might be the most intuitive person I've ever met. Wow, Jenna. Yeah, I think so. So let's talk a little bit about, about that, your intuition. Well, I'll relate it back to the physical symptoms because it's usually often from a pain plane of place of pain mm-hmm. or something that is not working that we then f- try to find a solution so from that place I was getting sick right I was getting fatigued even last year I was working uh, and I had um, internal bleeding and I was working through that it was tor- terrible fevers I was sick so I really had to hit a hard place in my life to say okay how can I really improve my health so that my energy levels are up how can I not get sick? I'm really happy and proud to say that it's through a lot of quiet time and being very introspective around what triggers our emotions and makes us sick and, and meditation that I have found a way to meditate my way uh, out of getting sick. So as soon wow. as I feel sick, I would connect to my body and be able to visualize and, and imagine what is a sickness saying in my body? And assuming it's not just a flu, most people say, well, if I got a flu or a cold, there's nothing to talk to. You know, you just got, you have a virus or, or something in you that just needs to um, die out or have your body recover in some way. But I found for myself that a lot of it is actually tied to your emotions and that sickness or those thoughts storing some sort of dysfunction in your body. And by speaking to it or connecting to it and being able to cultivate emotions or resilience or resources that address that emotion, I've been able to get over any kind of sickness I've had in a few hours or at max a day. And this has been true for the last year. Wow. And I haven't grown up like this. I, I mean, I've gotten sick and fatigued. And so it's been a huge gift that I think, if anything, is so unique You know, mm-hmm. to learn the connection between our experiences, our emotions, and our mm-hmm. physical bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you seem to be um, very in tune with your body, right? I try to say that I'm pretty in tune with my body, but you're very in tune with your body and, and what it's speaking to you. And, and I think that's, that's, that's incredible that you have that gift. 
Um, has your intuition, I know you've talked before, we've, we've both talked about being empaths and what that means. So, you know, kind of share a little bit about your intuition and, and being an empath and how you can, um, how it works with when you work with other people too. It's been something that I've had to cultivate at a, as a child, I had an ability, which was felt really weird at that time to see somebody. I might've been around five. I remember I had a voice in me that just said, oh, you're, you're 35, you're 55. And every time I would get their age exactly right. Oh, weird. Yeah, it was weird. Uh-huh. And so as a kid, I didn't think it was weird, but it was just like, you just knew. Yeah. I had instances like that where I was like, okay, that came from somewhere, but it's not until I was an adult that I was able to connect the dots. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I had a need to kind of seek alternative means to heal myself and to become healthier that I learned about how can you reconnect to that place of knowing and intuition. But your question about what is it like being an empath? It's not fun and it's not easy (laughs) because part of being able to receive and sense things about yourself and other people also comes along with needing to guard and protect your own energy levels and so something that becomes difficult if you're kind of hitting the corporate life or just you know society and day-to-day life in general is managing how can I be able to say yes more to my body or to acknowledge when I need rest when it doesn't feel great to be the person in the room who you know needs to sleep more than the average person needs more rest than the average person or kind of needs more breaks. It doesn't sound very sexy. You know, it sounds great to say, I can get away with five hours of sleep. I work 12 hours a day. I've completed so many things at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I have a full life. I've traveled to this many places every month. Mm -hmm. That sounds way better. And so part of being an empath has been also a part of me to accept traits, interests that might be unique and different from other people. But... Being able to tap and embrace that also allowed me to do so well with my clients that I've actually thrived the most when I've been able to listen to my intuition and to tap into a space that I can give my clients where they can tap into their own Mm -hmm. sense of intuition. Do you think that everybody, um, because you you are highly intuitive and you're a high empath, um, and I have some of those traits too, and I know a lot of people that do have them. Do you think that everybody is capable of that? Everybody is intuitive and everybody has a capability of connecting to their inner voice as well as like a ultimate truth, if you might call it that. But I think depending on also your your capability, some people might have, a, they might be more inclined to be more intuitive. Okay. Do you think that, because I have met people before. I have met a lot of people who are, they're so incredibly logical and there's nothing wrong with being logical. You should be logical, but they only think with logic. They don't think with feeling. They don't think with what their body's telling them. They have a really hard time, like time picking up on other people's emotions. Like they can only think by logic. And so sometimes I go back and forth of like, do these people just have lower levels of intuition and even maybe even some empathy too like is is that possible or or do you do you think that maybe that they've been like masked a little bit or do you think some people just have more levels than others higher levels 
I think it's a separate matter. I think that some people naturally are more thinkers or more in their head, but they can equally be very intuitive. So they mm. might use more logic to make decisions in business and life, but I think they can equally have this capacity to grow their intuition and their mm -hmm. sense of just being connected to their bodies and their selves. Where I think the mind comes in is sometimes when we do have this intuition, but we might have this fear or this doubt where our mind takes over. Yeah. And yep. we, we see this every day. It's like, mm -hmm. well, you get a job offer, but I don't want to be overworked. I have a fear because I've been overworked in the past. So I don't want to be overworked again. I have a fear where, you know, I wasn't really given the position that I deserve. So I don't want to start over or have to join an organization and go backwards. And so this is where it comes in, I think, is oftentimes our past experiences that maybe gave us some sort of pain or a negative experience can turn into us trying to be very logical to prevent it from happening again. Mm -hmm. So I think they're separate. We each, we all can have logic and mm -hmm. have a logic within us mm -hmm. where we use it and we all have intuition. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they can live side by side. Yep. Do you think intuition is tied to vulnerability too? Yes. In a way that when my intuition is the highest is when I'm most relaxed, mm. at ease, mm -hmm. having fun, mindful. Yeah. And so if you call that vulnerable, then yes. Mm -hmm. I feel that too, just because I, um, when I usually, when I have to make a decision, you know, I, I like, yeah, I sh I'll make a pros and cons list, all of those things. But at the end of the day, I am really trusting my intuition and trusting my gut. And then there's a fear that comes with it of like, well, what if I'm wrong? There, maybe there isn't enough logic to back this, but your stomach is telling you, you know, your body is telling yeah. you, right? And so for that, I feel like it's really vulnerable, especially when someone says, well, how did you come to this conclusion? I mean, you can share all you want, but at the end of the day, you're like, I just, it just felt right. You know, there, there there's not a lot of like analytical data that backs that. So, um, Sometimes in business, too, I feel like that can be really challenging. Like when you make certain decisions and people question you and you don't have the data, it's just like it just felt right. You know, like it's I, it's I feel like it's very vulnerable to to uh, be highly intuitive and, and go with it. So I can kind of see how maybe people who um, are super, super logical or analytical, maybe they are masking some of their intuition because there isn't reason or scientific data to back it. It's just a feeling, mm -hmm. right? And it, they're worried about being shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if you can't validate an answer with a feeling, it can feel very vulnerable, like you're getting mm -hmm. judged. Yeah. So speaking of that, let's actually kind of go into um, how – you know, you mentioned before being your own self at a company and then being your own self in your own business that you have and feeling safe to be you. So can you kind of share a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so even though I'm in this very unique field of cultivating people's leadership capability, their health, their vitality, just their all around ability to thrive in the best way that they can, I didn't grow up with necessarily the belief systems that supported that I knowing that I can do this I grew up feeling like I chose the wrong college had the wrong first relationship picked the wrong major that wasn't super practical I mean what do you do with international relations and so it was through, uh, I think, uh, either society or community or upbringing, a feeling like whatever I might have enjoyed wasn't something that I can show for. 
um, even I think lingers till today because no matter what field you're you're in and no matter how advanced you are right in your mindfulness practice or your spiritual development or yourself as a human being there are habits that we pick up and at the end of the day it's like well what do you have to show for you might have such a strong inner world but as a human being, we long to connect with other people who can see us for us, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody on the street cannot see that you're very joyful and that you are healthy and that you don't get sick, right? But they will notice when you say you bought a new house, you got a new job, the company is well known that they know of. Right. Yep. So I think it comes with being able to say, can I be more me in a way that is different from other people and that requires me to be courageous? And it might, I might not even be understood by mm-hmm. a lot of people, by mm-hmm. the average person. Mm-hmm. I'm really saying, is that okay? Am I willing to risk what I have to say, what I do, who I want to help for the betterment of pursuing my dreams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, what you're doing is so awesome. What you've been doing for the past 11 years, right? One is not only courageous, but it's so genuine and so wholehearted. You you know, left a corporate setting in Asia, followed your intuition, came here. You have a purpose. You really want to bring out, um, you really want to have people connect to who they really are and kind of, and go against what Western culture tells us to do. Exactly what you said it, uh, you know, what you said earlier, we're born and then we are told what to do by society, by our families, and then we lose sight of who we are. And, you know, we, we feel like we're accomplished by our, the company that we work for and the car that we have and the house that we buy and the person that we marry. And, you know, if we do things going against, um, what our family, our society tells us, it's almost like it's not an accomplishment. It's like, it's the opposite of that. It's hard to explain. So what you're doing, by the way, is, um, is really awesome. Thank you, Jenna. Yeah. Really awesome. And especially because I can, I can see how, um, I understand you, but I can see how a lot of people wouldn't, right? Like people who kind of want to just stay in their own lane. And then here you come this beautiful aura around you and you're trying to like, you know, really cultivate change, not with the individual, but also with the company too, how that can scare other people. Yeah. I mean, it's easier to stick with what you know. I've worked with um, a lot of executives, even then some of them feel like they're the black duck or they might just Mm. be higher in consciousness, willing to create change in the organization, but maybe they've spoken up. They've been rejected or they couldn't get a budget approved or Mm -hmm. they couldn't get a new initiative Mm -hmm. funded. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other executives even today that I worked with, it could be that, you know, they said they've been brought up in a family that taught them don't fret the small things, you know, don't fuss over it. Mm -hmm. Kind of don't don't make a big deal. Just let the small things go. But Mm -hmm. as a result, my client today was finding himself saying, no, you know, this is really getting to me. I've actually got to talk about the details and the little things that are irritating me, not waiting until it blows up. So I, it doesn't really matter what level you are at Mm -hmm. in your career or in your business, Mm -hmm. but all of us are constantly going back to the question of how can I be more me? Yeah. An organization that might operate differently, Mm -hmm. think differently. Am I willing to really risk my voice if I've been shunned or rejected or not acknowledged before am i willing to make a risk in my career if i've made a bad choice before Mm -hmm. you know am i willing to stick my neck out for something that i believe in but i don't think i'm going to get the support so i think all of us as people experience this in different levels and we're constantly seeking for support 
or for nourishment to really take root for what we really stand in for. Mm-hmm. It could be our mission or it could be as small as just our belief systems of how we run day to day. And, um, you know, in your, in your own business, um, you're working with a lot of executives one-on-one, right? And then you're also working with companies and teams. Um, can you share a little bit about your experience doing that? Yes. Um, where I found that it's been most effective is actually to start from the leadership's point of view in terms of what are they hoping to, to gain or to grow I find that when the leadership has a personal cause where they want to um, make an initiative happen or to better the culture of the organization, everything flows effortlessly. But if they're really doing it from a place of, well, I just want to check the boxes or make sure that our L&D department's doing it or, or do it for the sake of for our stakeholders, you don't really get a uh, the full potential of of what's possible for the company so at the end of the day it really comes down to being authentic mm-hmm. you know what you're saying and what you want to do is that something that really matters to you or are you just kind of going through a process mm-hmm. yeah i i um uh, my my full opinion is that if you don't have the right people in place if you don't have the right leadership you don't really have the business. I mean, it, you have your people, your purpose, and then your product, right? Your product can be great. That's fine. But if you don't have the the right purpose and the right message from especially the higher ups, and then if you don't have the right people, especially the right people in place, I mean, what are you doing? What kind of environment is this? What kind of culture is this? Yes, the people matter so much. And I've yeah. seen this because in organizations, if you just have – one person who has a lot of drama or is toxic to the team Mm -hmm. it affects everybody right and so absolutely how how do we even measure this kind of emotional Mm -hmm. toll Mm -hmm. right in in effectiveness Mm -hmm. when you just have um people who are not properly addressed Mm -hmm. people who don't feel valued people who don't feel like they're in a role where they can reach their potential people who are on their way out this happens all the time so I think talent management and really getting down to having people be more purposeful, intentional, and courageous Mm -hmm. about making decisions that line with what they're doing can make all of us more successful Mm -hmm. and productive people in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in your experience, um, do you work with uh, all different sizes of companies? Yes. Okay, got it. So I'm sure you've seen quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, and so just being in the Seattle market – I mean, what do you, what have you noticed with some of the companies that you've worked with in terms of culture? Every company has its own culture. And so you only can give them what they're ready for and that fits their people. There's no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. It has to connect to their language, to what they're going through. Mm -hmm. They have to feel like they get you. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to feel like you're kind of just bringing in some pre-created product Mm -hmm. or program Mm -hmm. but I think that's what makes it unique with working with my clients you start with where they are yep and um, you go from there have you um is it often where you meet people whether you're working with them one-on-one or in a group where you feel like you just know your intuition is telling you like they can't be their true self at work yes yeah I've had I've had that experience a lot too I get that sense as soon as I meet somebody really okay where I hear their voice on the phone. Yeah. I feel like in, uh, disagree with me, but I feel like it's more common than not common. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I also feel a lot of people long for, especially in the Seattle area, is a sense of connection, of belonging, of 
tired of this kind of chit chat. A lot of people are fatigued from this meaningless conversation of how mm-hmm. are you? Good. All right. Move on. But there's, I think, a need for more channels of connection, of belonging, of feeling that you can be authentic yourself and really say it as it is. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of grassroots activities happening in our area, but it feels like we can use even more of it, especially in the workplace mm-hmm. where we spend most of our hours. Right. Yep. I think it's, um, I think about ma- people in a management position, there's so much responsibility that they have to do. But at the end of the day, as a manager, they need to lead their people, right? And I I think about, like, different manager trainings that I've experienced in different careers that I've had and how it still comes down to, um, you know, business, right? Yeah. And the focus really isn't on, like, the people when it should be on the people because if you don't have the right people, if you don't have the right purpose – you know, you're not going to go, not going to go anywhere. Um, so I love this idea of companies hiring people like you, coaches and consultants to come in and really kind of shine a different light on how um, they can run their teams and manage their teams. Do you feel like the things that you are doing are impactful in terms of retention rates too when you work with organizations? Oh, Yes. Oh, for example, I was working with a client who his, his role is not in HR talent management, right? He's, um, his background is in technology, a program manager. But because we tapped into his innate gift for teaching, his love has always been to teach to a mass of people. But he's like, you know, I've been in this tech company forever. This is not what I do. How do I merge, right? But it's when we tapped into his true gift and I saw, I saw his voice rise and his eyes sparkle and so much, so much excitement came through in his voice when we had this chat. They thought, okay, let's make this possible. There must be a way where you can help with this. And in his situation, his team, their challenge was that they they were having issues with retention, right? There's not a clear onboarding process. People were disgruntled. They felt like they're kind of left on their own as soon as they joined the team, the organization. But he had this gift of connecting to people, of a love, of, of training them, of making them feel like they're appreciated. And he also had an ability to analyze the different skill sets within the team. Some were more maybe programmatic, some were more technical. The long story short is it's through our working together that he was able to then cultivate and acknowledge his ability to to teach and train. And it's through his program, his onboarding program, which was not his role, by the way, that they were able to grow the the retention and the engagement within their team. Wow. Uh, It doubled. And, and people were happy. They knew what they were doing. They felt like they were all working together. He created this massive game plan on his own that was none of it had to do with me. But it starts by asking, how can you align yourself to your true talent and your true gifts and things that you really bring you joy, but you're a little bit scared to step into because maybe it doesn't have to do with your background. Maybe it doesn't bring you the kind of income you're looking for. Maybe your role doesn't allow for it. But when you're doing what you love, there is a way of integrating it. There is a way of stepping into it Mm -hmm. where your success will follow for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think some of that too, um, you know, there's there's a fear in this. Do you think some of it too is this whole idea of imposter syndrome? Oh, yes. Yeah. I think that happens so much when uh, even as consultants or as entrepreneurs, when you're like, you see this marketplace and it seems competitive and saturated and everybody's doing the same. What am I? Who am I? 
there there becomes an obsession with following every single thought leader book they've written thing that they've done that we get we get so cluttered with what other people are doing that it's natural to feel like well i don't measure up mm-hmm. but the question is are we measuring up with the right things you know if we're only looking at merit-based then yes it's very clear that you're climbing this ladder that has a very linear uh, route but as soon as you're able to cultivate into your internal life by saying how can i create new definitions of success in alignment with who I am, my own integrity, then you're untouchable. You know, the only person to evaluate yourself is yourself and you're Mm -hmm. not dependent on this very success, external driven need for um, appreciation, for acknowledgement and acceptance. But this becomes hard, right? Your job requires you to have alignment from your manager and up. Yep. Your team has to like you. I mean, if it's your business, your clients need to like you. So I think it's easy to get into the sticky position of how can I please everybody but not the people that really matter. Right. And then it, it, I think a lot of it too, at least in our culture, is just not being enough. Yeah. You know, you const- I, I feel like this sometimes where you're just, I feel like I'm not enough. Like I must be an Im- imposter. Like I'm not, this isn't real. Yeah. I'm not enough. I have to try harder. I have to please harder. I definitely feel like that that is a huge, huge issue. As a family member, maybe not enough as um, a daughter or a significant other, as an employee, even just even with your own success, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about a little bit more about your um, about your services, because you have a lot of gifts to offer. So, you know, you you offer services for organizations and then you also offer one-on-one. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. If it's for an organization, it's really around culture change, leadership development, you know, personal success coaching, helping teams and organizations cultivate the right traits to help their employees become more mindful, more effective, more productive. What this has to do is down to the behaviors and, and the thinking styles uh, and the way that we all act and behave. But I found that the biggest, um, the greatest effect that it could have on culture change is really looking at your leadership. So mm-hmm. the, really the question goes to looking at your leadership, where do they see the future of their company going? Can we look forward you know, in the next five to 10 years beyond your team maybe you're not even there anymore because most people are only looking within the scope of their roles where do you want your your team or your company to evolve we are all in different places so you can't possibly compare a spacex with the boeing you know or a startup with microsoft but looking at where you are where can you improve you know how can you look at the stage of where the company is and level up level up in terms of team alignment productivity cultivating um, a different way of thinking or behaving so that you're really shooting and aiming for what's possible rather than acting out of a fear of not being enough. Mm-hmm. And I like to personalize these programs depending on the need of the team and the leadership. From a one-on-one perspective, there's always a need for a more confidential space because there's no way you're going to bring up something that you're going through personally or emotionally with somebody who has a high stake in your career. So one of the first questions I get, you know, is, yeah, is this confidential or is this kind of tied back to my team? And so something I see in coaching is, 
this is 100% confidential and don't talk to me like you're in an interview because sometimes people just come in showing me their best front you know they already kind of used to being guarded and kind of giving the situation in a very pragmatic way but I say no there's a lot of things that we need to talk through or work out that you don't necessarily want to bring home to your significant other who don't have the professional tools to help you navigate a decision but at the same time you need a safe space where you don't want to bring it with your direct team and so coaching is very effective and a lot of companies utilize executive and leadership coaching mm-hmm. i think more and more are, are starting to um to 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 utilize like i said people who have your skill set and expertise because it is needed what's it's been very- your experience jenna well um <laughs> i i definitely feel that um the in Seattle, the companies that are really focusing more on the culture are typically the ones that have higher retention rates. Um, people that have a really strong purpose in their organization, whether it's a for-profit or non-profit, have some pretty insane tenure numbers. And um, maybe in terms of salary and compensation, they're not the highest as some other you know larger companies here in Seattle, but it's enough. And the, but the people are staying because of the mission and how they are treated there and how they are able to contribute to the culture of the, of the company. So I think especially today with our generation and especially the generation below us, they're so focused on purpose. Whereas I feel like our, maybe more of our, the baby boomer maybe even Gen X possibly, maybe more along the lines they focused on like just kind of like making it and getting into the top, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But I feel like our generation and the generations below us are really focused on purpose. Like what is the purpose of this and how can I contribute and how can I be myself in this organization? I think it's really important that um, senior leaders are really bringing in people such as you to come in and really kind of change things and and really observe things that they're unable to see and and um, coach them on a one-on-one level but also on a team level as well to really help uh, cultivate their culture and really move towards the future right because that's where all businesses want to go they don't want to stay in the past the business doesn't want to stay in the past and there's a problem like they you should be in the present and then plan for the future as well yeah, I think we're reaching a new era. I just read an article recently by McKinsey talking mm-hmm. about how now your stakeholders are and society are demanding you to be socially conscious, yeah. forward-thinking, mm-hmm. sustainable companies. There's yep. kind of no way out. But the challenge becomes when you're so, all of us are so um, entangled mm-hmm. from whether you buy something from Amazon or something you purchase to wear uh, we're in this intricate web where we all need each other. Yeah. That there's there's a need for us to all take a step forward in that direction um, because it's, it's the way forward. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at within a company, it's not good enough just to say you have, you're doing a lot on the front of like CSR, corporate social responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very sustainable. You have to look at how are you leading and acting and behaving from a cultural standpoint within the company um, in alignment with the way that is supporting the employee's engagement, their well-being, their sense of purpose. So not only now are companies needing to just comply with the hard facts, 
you know, how much are you making? How much are you saving? Uh, are you sustainable and, and recycling and, and good to your, your people? But it's really needing to cultivate a culture internally so that people are feeling like this on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And people asking for it. You know, the new generation are not willing to work long hours like yeah. the previous generation for no good reason. Mm-hmm. They really want to know, why am I in this? Are you mm-hmm. clear? Do you have your message mm-hmm. aligned? They want to feel compelled that they're they're serving and, and doing something for good. Yep. And they're less and less patient than the previous generations to just stick it out mm-hmm. to see where it goes. Yep. So I think we're all reaching um, a, a tighter timeline to be more clear about that um, and really less less to lose in terms of, well, let's, let's just play it the old way because that's not what uh, employees of this day and age are asking mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, like I said before, what you're doing is is pretty cool. Um, I have met a couple handfuls of coaches and consultants, I think in the last few months. And I love the mission and the impact and the idea that you and the people that I have met, um, what they have behind them and the courage that they have too, right? To come in and say, I'm different. Here I am. Here's all the fear. Here's all the vulnerability. And, you know, you're really coming in and really trying to change the individual and the team and the organization. So everything that you're doing is pretty awesome, honestly. And I feel like there is going, there is an upcoming market for this in coaching industry, coaching consulting industry. And, and, um, I think there's going to be more of an uprise of, of people who want to help really change these organizations for us, for our generation, and then for the, the people who are coming up as well. Yeah, those are the leaders I want to serve. They yeah. know they're brought onto this planet with a very clear mission. You know, they're, they might um, maybe not be they are looking at how can we cultivate a healthier and more sustainable world looking forward. Mm -hmm. They know that they want to make a change and leave the planet and the organization a better place, but they also need a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. You know, personally, they realize that when it comes to decision-making and a stressful life or just kind of day-to-day stuff, we all have our struggles. Mm -hmm. And they know that it takes a lot of resources and the right people in place to to make these changes. So Mm -hmm. my ideal clients are those who already have this awareness that they're brought here to create change to create betterment that they have this connection to humanity and they know that they want to leave it a better place and they're willing to make those changes to bring in the right people to make it possible it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of time Mm -hmm. do you think it takes a while um for people to have that realization I think we're all brought here for a different cause and we're not all necessarily meant to be um, Oprah's of the world, (laughs) right, or Bill Gates. But we know early on when we are young, we have a sense of maybe what would make us tick. So I always say start where you are. You know, I recently watched Bill Gates' documentary and when he was really young with his, I think, in high school, I think it was in with Paul Allen. He sat and they were clipping up magazines and saying, who do we want to be? We can be anybody. We can be any kind of leader. Do we want to be political? You know, do we want to represent diplomacy, business? So all of us, even though we might not know who we're meant to be or, or strive to do in our careers, we have a sense of what makes us tick. So I always say, as long as you are pursuing your own path, whatever that looks like, um, then you are doing the best thing. And when you are doing what makes you thrive and happy, the world around you benefits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if people come to you and they say, Shian, how do I become more me? Yeah. How do you answer that? 
we usually start with the conversation in terms of what they're experiencing mm-hmm. for every single person that takes a different shape or form mm-hmm. what are some things that you've seen jenna i mean you've been in staffing and you've had a lot of experience what have you seen um symptoms wise when people are out of alignment or where you can just sense that they're maybe not in their element um i feel that uh that's actually a really good question i feel like they are not intuitive with their with their body or their selves so um i will speak a, i will speak for myself um, you know, uh, years ago, I did have a lot of uh, IBS symptoms, actually, which are not comfortable. And um, I was under a tremendous amount of stress. And I did, even though IBS is literally correlated with stress, I could not correlate the two together. Um, you know, and I went to Western doctor who's, she's fantastic. And, you know, she prescribed me, you know, medication to help. And the medication did help those levels but the IBS was still there because I was very anxious I think I was depressed and I had so much stress and it took me this was a period in my life where I was so unaligned with my body like completely unaligned my body was literally telling me whatever was going on in my life at that time I needed to stop and go away and go do other things and um, I didn't I did not listen to my body so that was, you know, a, a, a younger 20-ish, you know, self of, of me. And so I think about that time in my life, about how I was just so unaware of myself and I had no idea who I was. And I just disregarded everything that my body was telling me. It was just, I mean, it was just, it was just flat out on the table. Um, and so for me, that's, that's a true characteristic of, someone who really is so disconnected with themselves um, is when they're just not aligned with their body whatsoever. I think that's kind of like the first key. I want to give you a high five right there because that's where I started (laughs) (laughs) with a lot of pain and body symptoms and just being sick. Mm -hmm. That it's, I mean, sometimes it just starts with your physical body. Right. Right. This is the instrument that we have to Mm -hmm. live our best life. And Mm -hmm. it becomes as basic as what is what are we feeling are are we getting the energy levels that we need are we Mm -hmm. getting sick Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's hard too in in western culture because those things if they're related to work are rewarded yes so you know I've noticed too like I and I I do do this right when I say you know if someone says you know how was your day and I got so much done off my checklist to the point where I'm exhausted like you know and then most people will be like wow way to go like I can't believe you got all that stuff done you can even go back to being a multitasker I'm an insane multitasker I can do like a thousand things at one time it's brought me a lot of success but it's also brought me a lot of stress so I think about those things and I'm like, okay, being a multitasker in any job is thought of as being highly talented and a really, really good thing to the point where you're burnt out. Whereas, you know, if you're this person that can only do one task at a time, typically it's not. But, you know, I'm like, okay, would I rather do something, you know, 10,000 things at once or would I rather do one thing very mindful at once? You know, and it's, it's hard. So I think about... A lot of people that I know and a lot of people in in Western cultures who they work themselves to death. They work 10, 12 hours, 15 hours, 
And even nine hours, eight hours straight without taking a break. I believe me, I've done it multiple times. Don't do it. It's so bad for you. And, you know, they have to get everything done and check this box, check this box. And, you know, you achieve this and you hit this and you hit this. And we are, that is called hard work. And the basis of America has been on work hard, freedom for all. Yes. If you're not a hard worker, what are you? Right. Exactly. A mindfulness person? Right. You know, you're going to do yoga all day. You're not really rewarded for being relaxed. It's you're not at like all. You're this woo person who's wasting <laughs> your time and your life. And so I think the question is, can you have a full life, but at the same time live one of meaning mm-hmm. and, and productive, mm-hmm. not in a negative sense, but mm-hmm. one that allows you to feel like you're fulfilling your purpose? Mm-hmm. Is that what you feel like your purpose is here in this world? What? To really feel, to really help people align with their, their true purpose and their true self. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, what advice do you have for people who are really struggling with who they really are and how to become their true self? Start where you are and see what you're missing. So, for example, I've worked with people in different stages. Some people, they have, they've kind of lost the love for their role or that, uh, that engine or that excitement. And it goes back to, well, since when did you kind of lose the ability to trust your intuition and to take make decisions based on things that give you energy and joy it could be as simple as that um i would say it really connects back to a sense of self understanding little things you know can you give yourself acknowledgement for the things that you enjoy you want to do that might not feel productive or successful can you acknowledge the talents that you have that maybe your team does not recognize for example i work with a lot of people who maybe they've been in a um, a very process-driven engineering focused organization that does not value a lot of creativity or soft skills right and so if you might be in design or even a product manager or something that's out of this hard math and science realm where does that put you no matter what situation you're in it's really honing into who you are what you do best and what gives you energy and saying how can I start there by finding little ways to build up my my internal energy system, cultivating my creative chi, that place where you have so much energy in your in your flow, you're doing your thing. So I always say start with where you are, see what's not working for you, and create the space to really honestly look at what's what's not working. Mm-hmm. It's usually easier for people to figure out what's not working than what would work. Mm. Okay. I love that. And then what advice would you give to executive leaders or to organizations if they say, we have no idea what our culture is. We don't know who we are. How do, what do we do? It usually actually starts from a place of self. People, I think, share the culture. And so if there's an executive, if the leadership has a culture of we're not very clearly defined we just do what with our what our stakeholders um uh, require of us then this becomes an intrinsic problem throughout their culture so i would say start with the individual level every single person starts to practice and to cultivate these behavioral traits with being more intentional and thoughtful and deliberate um, the rest will follow so 
I'd say you have to take on a personal level. There's no way your team can take this into effect if you as a leader are not yourself. If you're clear as a leader where you want to go, you know why you're there, you know your mission, you know kind of where you're evolving. You might not know how, but you have a better sense. You're deliberate. And if you're not, you make the space to. The people around you will see that as an example. A lot of these things are nonverbal. People can tell when you say something, but you don't really mean it. Mm -hmm. When you're not, your actions are not following. So message matters, but your action and your integrity are actually most important. I love that. I think that's so true. Um, I think what a lot of leaders forget is that people, regardless if they're on your team or not, are looking looking at them. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. I understand that. Um, but if you have purpose, if you have intent, if you're genuine, if you do with if you do what you're going to say, people are going to observe that and pick up on that and they're going to mirror those things too. Yes. And I find one of the um, greatest behaviors that lead to highest engagement is trust. Question of does my management support me? Do they mm-hmm. care about me and mm-hmm. my longevity and my, my future? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's no way of faking that, but you have to be in alignment. With, you know, what are you there to lead, to create, to change? Mm-hmm. Because people will see. <laughs> Absolutely. People will find out. Yeah. They will find out whether it's first week or first few years. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we're almost in a, an hour. It's been fun, Jenna. <laughs> this has been really fun. Okay. So you have this in, incredible um, service that you offer to individuals, to teams, to organizations. You've worked with a lot of top clients here um, top companies here in in Seattle. Um, so let's talk about how you know people can reach out to you if they're interested in your services or learning more about energy healing, um, whether it's for themselves or for their organization. So how can people find you? People can go to my site, sheanchuan.com. So that's www.shianchuan.com. And you can just contact me. I'd say let's we can start with a conversation and depending on where you are, I'll hear you out and we'll figure out the best way forward. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Sheehan, for joining the show. Thank you, Jennifer, for being so this wonderful. Has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, you're great to talk to. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leading with Your Gut. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and iTunes. And feel free to rate and write a review. Interested in being a guest on the show? Email your information to leadingwithyourgut at gmail.com.